we haven't met yet, my name is Elijah Knowlton. I serve on staff here as a pastor of worship and technology, um, and it truly is a joy to be here. But we're excited to continue in our series today. Last week, we kicked off a brand new series called Greater Than. Um, this idea being that, you know, there's postures in this life that Christ has, sa- for those who are in Christ, that Christ has saved us towards, Right? And there's postures in this life that oftentimes he, or that we choose that he's saved us from, right? And so last week we kicked this off. Pastor Mike opened it up with this idea of rest is greater than being rushed, right? We live in this society that's just go, 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 go. Busy, busy, busy. You fill up our schedule that we get bogged down with the busyness of life. And he encouraged us just to find moments in our week to rest. So I ask you, how's that been going? Have you been able to find moments in your week, in your days, to, to rest spiritually, physically? If you haven't, I would pray that you would be able to do that this week. Wherever, however long, wherever you find yourself, that you would be able to find moments this week to rest. But today, we're continuing in our series um, with the subject of worship over worry. You heard Pastor Barry allude to it a little bit in the, in the opening of this morning, but um, worship over worry. So we're going to be talking about worry this morning. And I'm sure when I say that word, there's already things that just pop up in your mind and you're like, okay, I've already heard this message. I've heard this probably 20 times. Like I know all the verses. God says not to worry. I get it. Let's call it a day. Let's go home, right? Like you, I'm sure you've already heard this message and you already have ideas in your mind about what, this, what the trajectory of this message is, right? Um, but the reason I chose this topic is because worry, anxiety, depression, all these things are at an all-time high at this moment that we're in, right? Like if there's one thing that this pandemic has accomplished for us people is this, like the idea of worry, anxiety, depression is prevalent um, in this day and age. I'd be naive to say that there aren't people in our midst right now who are suffering from worry, crippling worry. Maybe friends of yours or maybe yourself have identified you as a worrier. You find yourself day in and day out constantly worrying about outcomes, the future, your family, whatever it may be, and it's crippling you to the point that it's hindering you from fully walking that, walking into that which God has called you to, right? And so this idea of worry, understanding what worry is, what it looks like in our life is important. And so we're going to talk about this, that today, but I want you to hear me. When I chose this topic, my goal was not necessarily to come up here and blanket over your worry and say, okay, here's a five-step plan for you to eliminate worry, right? I don't want to be that guy who comes up here and says, um, your worry's not that big a deal. You just need to stop worrying, right? How many spouses in this room have learned very quickly that when your spouse is worrying about something, the solution to it or the answer is not saying, hey, don't worry about that, right? Like it doesn't work very well. And that's not what my goal is today, is to blanket over it like that or to prescribe to you a five-step plan to eliminating. I, I do think what Jesus desires for us is to be free from the bondage of worry. I do believe that. But he gives us what we're gonna see today, a better option. It's not necessarily a glorified process, but he says that there's a better option. There's a choice that we can make in the midst of our worry, which is what we're gonna see in today's passage. Our passage today is in Luke chapter 10. Luke chapter 10, verse 38, you can turn there. 
Luke chapter 10, but I wanna say this before we read today's passage. If you are here today and you are suffering from anxiety, crippling worry to the point where you can't even function, like you can't get out of bed most days, you can't work, you can't drive a car, you can't eat, sleep, whatever it may be, if you find yourself suffering in that way, I would encourage you to seek help. There's no shame in counseling or meeting with a pastor or walking with somebody, just talking these things out that will love you and help you through that. If that is you this morning, I wanna encourage you in that way. There is no shame in seeking help. But in today's passage, what we're gonna get a glimpse into, we're gonna peek into a moment and we'll see worry and the fruit of it, but we'll also see Jesus's response in the midst of it. So will you read with me Luke chapter 10, verse 38 through verse 42. Now, as they went on their way, Jesus entered a village and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. Verse 40 says, but Martha was distracted with much serving. And she went up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her then to help me. I read that, I'm like, really? The audacity. But anyways, I digress. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things, but one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion, which shall not be taken away from her. One thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken away from her. What we're gonna see today in today's passage is that worry tends to drive us to false beliefs, and worship grounds us at the feet of Jesus, the ultimate source of truth. Would you pray with me? Jesus, we thank you for these moments. We pray now, God, as we already have, that you would be here in this moment, that you would teach us, that you would conform us more to your image, God. Won't it be you who speaks to us today and leaves a lasting change in our lives? We love you so much, and we pray these things in your name. Amen. Amen. So as you read through this passage, I have to ask, how many of you love to host parties? I see a couple hands. I don't see a whole lot of guys' hands, so maybe we can relate a little bit. I'm not saying I don't like hosting parties. I love having people over, and I I love that side of things. But when it comes to preparing and thinking through what we're going to eat and what the layout of the table is going to look like, the drinks, all of that stuff, like I'm not that kind of guy. I'm not super into that stuff, but some people are. Some people love to think through that stuff, and there's themes to the parties, and there's certain napkins that you need to put out for this, and there's certain forks that you need to put out for this, right? Like, some people are really into it. Um, But how many of you know that when you're hosting a party, or maybe you're getting ready for a holiday, um, there's some stress that comes with that, right? Like, you got to make sure that you clean every single inch of the house. Like, I remember growing up, my mom made us clean literally everything. You have to dust every corner. You have to clean this room, even though nobody's been in that room for two years. You have to clean it because you know that uncle's going to end up in that room and, you know, talk about how dirty it is. Like, you got to clean everything. You know, you got to make sure the spread is perfect, the food is cooked perfect, the, uh, the, the table is set right, right? And there's a lot of stress and worry that rises up in that, right? And how many of you know that when you are in the midst of this, right, somebody, usually there's one spouse who's like kind of spearheading the planning, right? And they're preparing everything or you're helping, but you're not really doing a whole lot. Usually it's the other person doing it, right? And, um, and so uh, there's some stress, there's some worry, and then you get to like two hours before the party starts, and then you realize that you forgot something. You forgot, 
you know, you forgot to get cups or you didn't get the napkins or you didn't get the right chips. And so usually it's me. You're left running to the store to get the, get the stuff. And so, of course, I'm going to run to the store. I'm going to be the hero of the story. I'm going to make sure that this party goes off without a hitch because we got to have the chips. We got to have, for my family, there was one uncle who his job was to bring the olives one year and he didn't bring the olives and the whole party was ruined. We haven't let him live it down since. Um, but yeah, so I run out and, you know, whatever it may be, and I, I think I'm being the hero, and I come back, and only to find out that I get the wrong thing, right? I got the wrong chips, or I didn't get the right napkins. I'm not saying this is necessarily you, honey. I'm not talking about my wife. Uh, but like growing up as a kid, like for my parents, right? I mean, I get the wrong thing. And it usually amounts in some sort of like argument or disagreement or something is said, and it just bubbles up. This worry, this stress that this party isn't going to get to where it needs to be bubbles up and it results in some sort of unwarranted and unnecessary argument about something so small. Like, I can't believe you got the wrong chips, right? And as we read down through this story, you can kind of see, as silly as that is, you can kind of see the same thing kind of bubbling up and you can kind of see the trajectory of it. And so today, as we talk about this idea of worship over worry, we're gonna see two people in this story. We're going to see Mary, who is sitting at the feet of Jesus, right? And we're going to see Martha, who is busy preparing. And so if we want to understand what worry is, we want to better have an idea of identifying what worry is in our life. Here's a few definitions for you. Worrying is a form of thinking about the future defined as thinking about future events in a way that leaves you feeling anxious or apprehensive, If I were to say the difference between fear and worry, it lies right there. Fear is more eminent. Worry is more about the future, right? Another person put it this way. He said that worry is like a good rocking chair. It gives you something to do, but it doesn't get you anywhere. Right? It gives you something to do, but it doesn't get you anywhere. Oftentimes when it comes to worry, we think that if we rock the chair harder, it'll produce something good. When in reality, all it does is it's just, if you're rocking the chair hard enough, you're just going to put a hole in the wall. That's all that's going to result in. It's not going to get you anywhere, right? This is literally why my parents didn't let us have rocking chairs in the house because we would go too hard in the rocking chairs and put holes in the wall. Anyways, this is what worry does. And this And with that, we come on the scene in Luke chapter 10, right? Martha has invited Jesus over to her house. And so we're thinking about planning a parties. I don't know how stressed you get having friends or family over, or maybe you're in a community group hosting your community group. That might stress you out. But listen, homegirl is having Jesus over to the house, right? Like God is in the house. Like the king of kings. Like you get stressed out having your in-laws over. Imagine hosting a party for God, right? Like, we get caught up in these things. Like, the questions start just coming into my mind. Like, I'm thinking about Martha. I'm like, what is she thinking? Like, what, am, what linens do I put out for this guy? Right? Like, if I'm thinking about it, all I got is Costco throwaway plates. Like, this guy's coming from where the streets are paved with gold. You know, like, what do I have to impress this guy? I would be a little worried. And so the first two things you see in this passage are two ladies with two very different postures, Right? One is sitting at the feet of Jesus. One is very busy with preparations. And so we see Martha first with a posture of worry. The first thing we notice here in the passage is that Martha was busy or distracted with all the preparations, right? She was busy. And this is what we need to realize about worry is that worry often distracts us. 
Worry often distracts us. Mary is, you see Mary, right? She's in the living room. You can paint the picture. She's chilling with Jesus at the feet of Jesus, and Martha is running around getting everything done. You can almost see it like you're imagining sitting in the living room and you hear in the kitchen pots are banging and she's yelling and she's stressed out and all these things are happening. And where's Mary? She's just chilling at the feet of Jesus, right? But what happens when we begin worrying about this and that is that it distracts us from the main thing. Like, have you ever been invited over to a friend's house and you're super, super excited to go over and just catch up with them, shoot the breeze, see how their lives are going? And you get over there, and they're doing everything but spending time with you and catching up with you, right? They're all too concerned and worried about making sure that you're comfortable, that you have the drinks that you want, that they got the right food for you, that you're warm enough. Do you need a blanket? Do you need more pillows? Like, they're all concerned about these things that they get to the end of the night, and they've totally neglected you. What we see here in this passage is that what I would argue is that Jesus wasn't necessarily coming over for a good meal, coming over to spend time with his friends. And what we see is Martha, riddled with worry, had busied herself with preparations that she had missed the true purpose of the visit. Worry tends to distract us from what's really important and what really matters. Worry is telling me that all I need to worry about, if we're to talk about this rocking chair analogy, worry is telling me that all I need to worry about is just rocking in this chair. This is the most important thing that I can do is make sure that this rocking chair continues rocking. That's all I need to worry about. Nothing else matters. This, this is the most important thing. And what really mattered in this moment was that Jesus was there. His presence was the most important thing in that moment. But worry tends to distract us from what Sorry, worry tends to distract us with much preparations, which then truly draws us to a sense where we miss what's really important, which is the presence. Worry not only distracts us, but worry oftentimes lies to us. This is huge for us. We need to understand this. Worry lies to us. Worry is a liar. Worry tends to force us into false conclusions about people and situations that aren't really grounded in truth right? I put it this way. Worry is a really good preacher, right? Like if I were to go to a conference and worry was preaching, they'd have, they'd look the part, they'd have the black skinny jeans and boots. They'd have all the tweetable sayings that everything that I want to put on my Instagram bio, everything that they have to say sounds really, really good. And it preaches at us. This is what worry does. It preaches at us again that If I just rock in this chair hard enough or fast enough or long enough that it'll get me to where I want to go. It preaches to us that thing, it preaches to us things that are rooted in falsehood, which then drives us to false beliefs about people and situations. And because of those false beliefs, those false beliefs then dictate our actions towards those people or those things, right? And this is what we see in Martha. She is so consumed with worry She's been so convinced of these things that it causes her to react to Jesus in the way that we see in verse 39. Nope, I lied, verse 40, right? What did she say? Lord, do you, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Worry had convinced her that Jesus 
did not care about her and that, she, that he had left her all alone, which then drove her to demand things of, her, of him, right? What'd she say? Tell her, tell her then to help me. You read that and you're like, dang, Martha, right? Like you can almost feel the tension in the room. Like I can imagine, I can imagine this family gathering, right? And you know, you're sitting in the living room and then someone comes in and they blow up. Like I'm sure you've been in those situations with family and you're just left there like, uh, okay, like what do I do? You don't really wanna move because you feel if you move, that person who just blew up is gonna cut your head off. Like you're really worried about it, you know? You don't want to be the first one to talk because you're worried that that person who just came in, like you read this and you're like, dang, Martha, you need to calm down. Maybe you're like, Martha, just sit down and calm down, right? Like that's what my initial thought was when I read this. But if we were to stop and maybe just think for a second, I think we'd realize that we have way more in common with Martha than than we initially would have thought. If worry forces us into conclusions about people and situations and they're based out of false beliefs, if they're forcing us to believe these things, then of course we're gonna treat them as such, treat these people as such, right? Like something happened to us, like a past trauma or a past hurt, or we look around at our current moment and we begin worrying that since this happened to me before or since this is happening around me now, then this must be true of my situation. Our experiences, past and present, influence what we worry about. And what we worry about tends to influence what we believe to be true about people and situations, which then dictates our actions towards them. And if I could just say this, literally, worry is such a liar. Friends, worry is a liar. I say this because this is literally where I'm living at right now. Like I was joking with Pastor Barry this morning. There's passages, there's messages that you just as a pastor, do not want to preach, this was one of them for me. Because you preach it, and then you have to deal with the stuff that you're preaching about, (laughs) right? This is literally where I find myself right now because of Get it together. Okay. Because of people that have wronged me in my past or hurt me, I worry constantly that those things are going to happen again. Maybe you can relate. And so I project that on those people around me that are, now, that are here now. And it's almost like I'm lying around in my worry, waiting for those projected outcomes to happen, right? Somebody wronged me. Somebody treated me a certain way. And now God has brought me into a, another season with a different group of people. And I'm riddled with this worry that it's going to happen again. And worry begins to preach to me and says, no, this is way too good to be true. There's no way that this situation is going to be any different. Right? Maybe you can relate. Worry is such a liar. And what we see is Martha had been so overcome and stressed over the worry that things weren't going to get done and that Jesus was going to be disappointed that it drove her to believe two things. This is worry drives us to false belief. This is what Martha had believed of Jesus, of all people, that he had left her all alone and that he did not care about her. You read that and you're like, that's crazy, but this is what worry does to us. 
It drives us to believe things about people that they have given us no reason to believe that in the first place. And this is what happened with Martha. And honestly, what I see happening here, Martha's worry had convinced her that Jesus didn't care and that he has, had left her all alone. This is the key of it. Ultimately, it convinced her that he couldn't be trusted. Worry had convinced her that he could not be trusted. The absence of worry, or the presence of worry is truly the absence of trust. And these statements begin to rattle around in your mind. You don't trust this person, and so the, sta- the statements are in your mind, this is going to happen again. No way this is, there's no way this is way too good to be true. And friends, those statements, if those are things that are rattling around in your mind, those are direct indicators of what we are trusting in. And oftentimes, it's really the root of why we feel so alone and why we feel like nobody cares about us. Because worry has driven us to that place. And you'll notice that I didn't spend a whole lot of time talking about worship. (laughs) Worship guy up here taking the worship subject. Didn't talk a whole lot about it. The reality is, is because when you read this passage, if you are worried all the time, you read this and you're like, of course I want to be like Mary. Of course I want to be Mary in this story. And I want to set my worry down and be able to go sit at the feet of Jesus. Like, you don't need me up here to bash you over the head with what the truth is. Like, of course you want to be like Mary. But we need to identify worry, what it looks like in our lives. But then the, there's... It's just the beautiful thing of how Jesus responds to Martha. This is the key for us. We've identified worry. We know what it looks like. I'm sure there's things that are swirling around in your mind even now, but look at what Jesus says to Martha in response. Verse 41. Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things, but one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken away from her. And just notice what Jesus doesn't do here, right? First of all, he doesn't just go to Martha and say, hey, you need to calm down and not worry about that, right? We've learned that very quickly, men, that that doesn't work with our wives, right? Jesus does not respond like that. He doesn't say, okay, I'm gonna go. Come get me when you calm down, right? Right? He didn't say, okay, I'm peacing out. You figure your stuff out, Martha. I know that you're freaking out right now, but I'll come back when, you're, when you got it all figured out. He doesn't prescribe to her truth or like bash her over the head with the reality of truth, right? He doesn't prescribe to her a big grand process to eliminate the worry from her life. But what he does is he gives her a choice. The beautiful thing is that he identifies the worry. He helps Martha see that, yes, I see that you're troubled. I see that you're worried and anxious about a great number of things. Friends, Jesus sees that. He sees your worry. He sees your stress. He sees your anxieties. He sees those things. And even in the midst of it, even while you're carrying it, he encourages us that there's a better portion You see that he doesn't force Martha to come sit at his feet. He says that Mary has chosen the better portion, leaving Martha to make the decision. A posture of worship over worry is a choice for us this morning, my friends. It's an invitation to get up out of the rocking chair of worry and come sit at the feet 
of Jesus. And so the question is this, are we going to busy our minds with worry over false beliefs or can we this morning choose a posture of worship beginning to allow Jesus to influence our minds to show himself to be faithful, kind, and caring, ultimately, friends, that he is somebody who can be trusted. Jesus can be trusted. What if the invitation for us this morning, if you have found yourself riddled with worries, the question is, are you gonna allow Jesus another opportunity to reveal to you, to show you just how much he cares, just how much he loves you? The reality is this, I'm sure you hear me talking and you're saying, okay, what? like, I've been hurt before. I've experienced a lot of trauma. Maybe that guy didn't treat you right. Something horrible happened in your past. People treated you wrongly and the worry and worry has you so convinced that since that was true then, then it's going to happen again. It's gonna be true now. And it's convinced you that there is nobody that can be trusted. And so it just totally closes you off from everyone. And you say, Elijah, I feel so alone. I feel so cast out. I feel like nobody cares. And I have to ask the question, who is driving that belief? Because I can assure you that if Jesus was the one influencing that, that would not be the outcome. And you say, Elijah, I've tried to trust in Jesus. You've prayed to him to provide for you, that he would deliver you from something. You've trusted that he would bring you this or that. You thought this or that, and, and then that didn't happen. And then the time frame that you thought it would happen, it didn't happen in the way that you thought it would happen. And so now you're sitting in this room and you're faced with the question, are you gonna trust Jesus? Are you gonna allow him another opportunity? And worry has you convinced that there's no way that that is possible. But the hope for us this morning in this life as we walk through and wrestle with worry is this, is that Jesus is not going anywhere. Even when your worry has you so convinced that he doesn't care, that he's gonna sit, he's gonna sit and stay right there. You see this in this passage. He doesn't say to Martha, hey, go get yourself together. I'll come back when you do. He stays right there. Even in the midst of your worry, you can, be, you can rest assured that Jesus is not going anywhere, even when you find yourself stuck, glued to that rocking chair of worry, consumed by it, Jesus is right there lovingly inviting you to take another chance to trust him again, to take another chance to get up out of that chair and sit at his feet and listen to him again, to hear what he has to say and to begin building a relationship of trust in him. And friends, does that mean that you're not gonna ever return to that chair? the same with sin. Did Jesus save us thinking that we would never sin again? He knows that in our sinful, broken state that we're going to return to those things that he has saved us from. And it's the same with our worry. He knows that you're going to return to that rocking chair time and time again. But the encouragement is that he is not going anywhere and that his love is not going to run out. It's not going to change. And he's still going to care and be just as kind towards you. The invitation is always going to stand to come sit at his feet again. And friends, if you are here today and worry has you so convinced that Jesus doesn't care, that he's abandoned you, that he's left you alone, I want you to hear these words. 
Hear the word of the Lord. Hebrews chapter 13 says that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. He's never gonna change. Which means the promises that he has promised are never gonna run out. They're never gonna change. For the word of the Lord is right and true. He is faithful in all he does, the psalmist says. We can rest assured that we serve our great and faithful God. Everything that he says is true. If he promised it, it's going to happen. He is faithful. We know that all things work together for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. Maybe worry has you convinced that God had got something wrong, that he messed something up, that his plans for you are bad, that he's out to get you. His word promises us that he, his plans are good, plans to prosper you, not to harm you, right? Psalm 62 says, trust in him at all times. O people, pour out your heart before him. Why? Because God is a refuge for us. Friends, worry has you convinced that there's no way that God would welcome you into his presence. There's no way that he would welcome you with your worry, with your doubt, with your sin. But the psalmist is telling us that he is a safe place, that we can run to him and we can pour our heart out before him. He is a safe place. And so friends, I wanna give us an opportunity this morning. I wanna give us an opportunity to make a choice. Are we going to choose a posture of worship even in the midst of our worry or are we gonna to continue to allow worry to preach at us day in and day out? Right now you have an opportunity to choose a posture of worship. We're gonna sing a song. And I'm gonna encourage you to sing, to engage, to allow Jesus to be the one to influence your mind, to remind your heart and your soul of just how caring, how kind, compassionate, loving, gracious, and merciful he is. You don't have to shed your worry, you can bring it with you. Bring your worries, bring your doubts, bring your concerns, bring them and allow Jesus to hold them for a second this morning so that you can just rest in his presence and hear what he has to say. Just let him hold your worries, let him hold your doubts and give Jesus a chance to remind your soul just how much he cares and just how much he loves. I encourage you to engage with us in this song. But if you're here this morning, you just want to take a moment and just listen to allow Jesus's words to wash over your worry, to cleanse you. Take a moment, just sit in this and allow Jesus to influence your heart, to remind your soul just how much he cares for you. <laughs>